You're listening to HSBC Talks Business. Learn how businesses like yours are leveraging a wide range of banking solutions to maximize their success and how HSBC is helping them. Listeners should note that this episode has been recorded remotely. Therefore, the sound quality may vary. Thank you for listening. Welcome to the Business Plan for the Planet podcast, a series centered around ESG insights. In these episodes, you'll hear from experts whose work is at the heart of sustainability-linked trends and opportunities, as well as from businesses that are delivering change for a better future for us all. Join us as we shine a spotlight on their commitment to a sustainable future. Hello, and thank you for tuning in to another episode of Business Plan for the Planet. My name is Jonathan Drew, and I'm the Managing Director of ESG Solutions at Global Banking, HSBC. Today, we're talking to Nigel Matravers, who's the Joint Venture Representative for New Life Plastics. And New Life Plastics has a plan, a business plan to recover plastic for reuse. Nigel, welcome. Jonathan, thanks very much for having me. Uh, it's a great opportunity to, to tell uh, the world uh, about this fantastic project that we're creating in Hong Kong uh, to help manage uh, the plastic bottle waste uh, that's created here. Perhaps I can ask you, tell us about New Life Plastics and this plan. Plastics are seen by many people as a major problem uh, for the planet and here in Hong Kong in particular. And so our plan uh, is to recover as much plastic as we can, uh, reprocess it in a very environmentally sensitive way and reuse the materials for remanufacture. That sounds easy. Unfortunately, it's not quite as easy as that. Uh, and so it's, that's how we're developing this whole uh, project. That's why we call it New Life, uh, because that's what we want to bring into the plastics that we're looking to recover. And Nigel, when you say recover, where are you recovering this plastic from? Hong Kong, sadly, um, produces something like 5 million uh, bottles, PET bottles every day. And the majority of that material is actually going into landfill. Uh, Very little of it is recycled. So principally, we're looking to recover Uh, PET bottles, which are drink bottles, as well as HDPE. Those are the kind of things that you might find in your bathroom. And bring those to this big new facility that we've been built in order to process it. We are only dealing with Hong Kong material. We're not importing plastic uh, from anywhere else. Uh, But with 5 million bottles a day in Hong Kong alone, that's plenty for us to have a go at. And how, Nigel, how do, you, how do you go about collecting these, these bottles? This is a challenge for the whole industry across the world. Um, plastic bottles are scattered across the, the whole of Hong Kong. They're in people's houses, they're in the schools, they're in the factories, um, and they're when people are going out walking. And so getting these bottles together is a real challenge. So we're working with all sorts of groups uh, to 
um, collect the materials they're working with, housing estates, street cleaners, corner shops, recycling centres, schools, big organisations, the whole range uh, of issues. And in particular, uh, with Hong Kong uh, being a marine place, uh, we're surrounded by sea, uh, then obviously marine litter is a particular problem and also the build-up of some of that marine litter in the harbour. So what we're really uh, proud to be part of is the HSBC-supported uh, Clean Waterways Initiative, uh, which is a fantastic uh, idea uh, using solar-powered uh, catamarans uh, in the harbour area to clean up the waste that's found floating and the materials separated on these vessels and the plastic material uh, comes into our recovery bins and then we'll bring it to our facility for treatment. Excellent. Well, look, we are indeed very excited about that. And it's already extraordinary to see how I think more than 20 tonnes of um, litter has been removed from the Hong Kong harbours. But presumably in, in there, Nigel, there are all sorts of, there's all sorts of materials and there'll be some PET bottles, but there'll be other plastics as well. Can, can your plant process a variety of, 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 of materials or is it just PET bottles? One of the big challenges uh, for plastic is that there are many types, principally seven. And a lot of these plastics don't like each other. <laughs> and they have lots of different properties. We would love to say that we can process all of these different types of plastic, uh, but the answer is we can't. Um, so we are focusing on the PET bottles, the drinking water bottles in particular, because they're by far the biggest problem. Um, but we would love to be able to expand our ideas to collect uh, films and boxes, you know, food trays are a real problem, uh, as well as one of the big challenges in Hong Kong is polystyrene, uh, which is used a lot in the marketplaces and the fish markets. Um, but we can't do it all. Um, but this is a really, uh, hopefully, a good first attempt uh, to deal with the bottle waste uh, that we find uh, around Hong Kong. Mm. So I suppose in, in, as you described, sort of, maximizing your collections it's actually really important for people to I mean hopefully they're not the people who are allowing the bottles to go into the harbor but to actually sort their waste so that you can most effectively and efficiently collect that part of the waste that you can indeed recycle. That's absolutely right but the key challenge um, to recycling around the world but particularly here in Hong Kong is trust. Um, people don't trust the bin. <laughs> uh, and that there are lots of recycling bins around the town. And that, but people are queries, well, where do they actually go? And oh, I've seen this uh, the cleaning lady, she throws it all in one black bag and it all goes to landfill. Why should I bother? And that's one of our key challenges and one of the key messages that we're trying to get across is that when you give the bottles to us, they will be properly treated and looked after. Uh, so in our system, 
we will enable people to come along to the factory. You can look through the windows and see exactly what happens to your bottle. And we will publish the data on our website so you can see how much material we've recovered, how much waste we've produced, uh, so that people are confident uh, that when they give us a bottle, it actually will be properly managed. Because we've got a lot of faith in people in Hong Kong. They really do want to recycle more. Uh, but it's ability to access facilities that they can trust, we think is one of the biggest barriers. And that's one of the things we're trying to overcome. Um, and Nigel, where, where is that interface between the sort of the, the bottle user or, the, or the, the first bottle user? And where, where do you then come and collect that bottle from? How, how, do you, how do you try and make sure there isn't a, a gap there? That, that is the challenge, and that's then working with the, uh, the community. Uh, in some occasions, it's relatively straightforward. Uh, the government now has introduced a whole series of what we call reverse vending machines. Uh, these, quite a, these devices are seen quite a lot in Europe, and therefore the bottles that come from there are very, very good. There's a series now that the government has introduced of uh, recycling shops. Uh, and again, the people there are sorting the plastic in the shops and therefore we get a very good product. But the largest volume um, is coming from people's houses. And anybody familiar with Hong Kong knows that most people live in very high rise buildings. And unlike in Europe, you can't have your little bin outside your house. Uh, to separate out your different plastics. So we really do depend on the cleaning teams uh, to do that separation for us. So that requires a lot of community outreach, and a lot of guys going out and talking to and working with uh, the housing estate cleaners um, with a, a, some financial incentives uh, to get them to help us. Uh, to produce the material like we want it, yeah. Excellent. So, uh, does also need some effort from the bottle user, and that's that's completely un, un, understood. But fantastic to know that you know we're, we're we've got somewhere it can now go. And Nigel, where 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 is where is your plant? Okay, so the plant is located for those that know Hong Kong uh, in the in the very west uh, near the town of Chun Mun. Uh, and it's located at another place called Eco Park, uh, which is, uh, as it su suggests, uh, a, a really a recycling centre that has been developed by the Environmental Protection Department of Hong Kong. Uh, so we've got, in fact, a very attractive site, <laughs> uh, beautiful views uh, uh, on the corner of uh, Eco Park. Uh, so one of the challenges is, of course, we're at very one end of Hong Kong, and we have to bring all the bottles <laughs> to our facility. Uh, so we do require quite a uh, logistics and also what you call baling, rather than having loose bottles, we need to get them baled to bring to us. Otherwise we're just transporting a lot of air around the place. Yeah, now, now Nigel, I understand the plant is well advanced in construction. It is. When do you, when, when do you expect that you'll be going into sort of startup and operations? The building is uh, finished completely, and now the equipment uh, is being in final stages of installation. Uh, the equipment uh, is a complete package. It has come from Germany, uh, 
uh, from a specialist company uh, who have got other similar plants elsewhere. And so we're now putting the final touches together. Uh, I cannot deny that COVID has not helped us, uh, obviously, in, in bringing people uh, to Hong Kong to help do the uh, installation. But we found a way around it. Uh, so we're hoping to be fully operational by September. Excellent. And once, and once you're fully operational, Nigel, how much plastic will you be able to, to process? I mean, you, you, you mentioned before Hong Kong, I think, um, uses five million more than 5 million plastic bottles per day. How, 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 much, how much of that would you be able to process? The plant per shift uh, is what we call 30 tonnes a day. Therefore, if we run all three shifts, we're heading up towards 100 tonnes of PET and HDPE a day. There is about 40,000 bottles to a tonne. Um, so you can imagine it may be somewhere near 4 million bottles a day um, if uh, the plant is running at full, full, um, full speed. Obviously, it's not going to cure all of Hong Kong's problem, but equally, uh, it's quite a challenge to even collect 4 million bottles <laughs> every day. Um, so we're going to make a good attempt at uh, tackling the problem of Hong Kong. Yes, and, and, and will you be able to take PET from other places to, to, to recycle as well? Well, we are focusing uh, entirely on Hong Kong. There's enough material here in Hong Kong. Uh, there's also, people may be aware now, a large number of restrictions in moving uh, plastic waste uh, around the world. Uh, this is a, it comes under a, um, a new agreement, global agreement called the Basel Convention, uh, which is because you may have heard stories really of plastics being moved from particularly the Western countries to um, East Asia, uh, where the environmental impact has been pretty dreadful. So the Basel Convention has come in and regulated uh, the movement of plastic uh, materials. So yeah, we're gonna be focusing uh, really on Hong Kong material. Right. And the, the, the product of your plant, presumably it's some form of sort of recycled PET pellet. Who, who are the, what's, what's the market or who are the con consumers of that in, in Hong Kong? Well, there's a challenge. Uh, <laughs> um, the, the, the plastic issue is quite, is complex in a, on, at a global scale. Uh, in, in the European Union, there's a requirement that all new products shall have a significant amount of recycled material in them. By 2025, it'll be 25%. By 2030, it'll be 30%. And in fact, there is actually a shortage of material in Europe to meet these targets. At the same time, China will not let recycled material be used for food grade. Uh, because maybe they're concerned about contamination. Uh, so our food grade uh, PET material for, to begin with uh, will actually be exported to Europe, uh, which seems a strange thing to do. Um, but uh, as I say, that's where the demand is. We, we do hope in the near future that China will see that uh, by having 
proper facilities like ours, the risk of contamination is, is lesser and they will allow recycled material to be used in their food grade uh, materials, yeah. And, and, and how much of your production will be food grade and how much will be at, at, at lesser grades and, and, and where does the lesser grade plastic get? Well, one of the challenges of, of plastic, and I'll, I'll just here talk about plastic bottles, drinks bottles, uh, that when you buy uh, a, a bottle of your favourite soft drink, uh, it obviously comes with a plastic cap and a label. Uh, the plastic cap um, is made out of slightly different plastic, normally uh, PP rather than PET. And the label is also normally made out of a different material. So, of course, in many times here in Hong Kong, you've been told to take off your cap, take off your label before you recycle it. And that puts a lot of people off. They said, oh, we can't be bothered. Uh, we're just going to throw it in the normal bin. So what we can do at NLP is that we will remove the cap and we'll remove the label for you. And we will recover that material. Uh, and obviously, if we have sufficient type of, say, the cap material, which should be shredded, we can sell that separately as, a, as another clean product uh, to be used elsewhere. Um, so how efficient are we going to be? We actually don't know yet until we actually start receiving the Hong Kong waste and actually see how it looks. And then we'll have to adjust the plant uh, to suit the operation. But I think the important thing is that we want to encourage people to recycle. You don't need to wash the bottle. You don't need to take the label off. You don't need to take the cap off. As long as it's empty, we'll do the rest. And Nigel, tell us a little bit about the economics of this of, of this business. I, I guess you don't have to, or maybe you do, do you have to pay for the bottles? I guess there are some collection costs. Yes. And, yeah. and how, do, how do these, how do recycled PET prices look? Do they, are they similar to virgin PET prices? And is there a big premium to, for the, for the food grade versus the other non-food grade recycled plastics? Yes, and let me, let me take that question in reverse. Uh, the re food grade recycled product does uh, warrant a premium. And essentially that's really what making this plant efficient. So in order to do that, we've actually got to get our product to the highest possible standard. So we've introduced all sorts of technical equipment of uh, using all sorts of different technologies uh, to purify the plant, the material, so that when we sell it on, it achieves the highest price. And that therefore makes the plant uh, more uh, economic. Um, and as I mentioned earlier, there is actually a shortage of our pet, uh, as it's called at the moment. When you say a premium, a premium to virgin PET or a, or a premium to non-food grade? There's a premium. So just talking about food grade, there is a premium to virgin material. So, and, and this has always been a challenge for plastics that for many people will say, well, we can just get it cheaper. The price of oil is low. Therefore, why should we bother? Let's just use virgin materials. And obviously from a sustainability point of view, 
that's not a good thing. But with a combination uh, of uh, regulations in particular and a commitment by certainly the big corporates who are saying, yeah, we are going to change, we are going to incorporate um, recycled material into our new products. And we're already seeing that with uh, many of the water companies who are using 100% RPET. Uh, that's true of the, uh, sort of the big water companies here in Hong Kong. So there is a demand for high quality material and that is more expensive uh, than the, the virgin material itself. But there is this global, becoming a global demand, particularly from the big corporates. Yeah. I'm getting a sense the economics might not be too bad here, Nigel. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, why a lot of plastics facilities and the like have not worked is that generally before, several years ago now, most people just sent their plastics to China and that the, the, the people of China sort out the plastics and process them when the costs were low. China has said, sorry, we don't want your rubbish anymore. Uh, um, you can't send it to us. So that cheap solution uh, that many people had, including most of Europe, of sending it purely to um, China has, has disappeared. And with the further restrictions, it's meant that material can't be sent simply to other countries, I think make, many people have seen the issues around Malaysia. So that is forcing people to process the material. And therefore that is changing the economics uh, of, the, um, of the process. But coming back to an earlier point in the, the question, Jonathan, um, collection costs are the challenge. Um, when you're collecting a bottle that only weighs 20 grams, uh, and you need four million of these every day. That is, that is quite a challenge. And so we really are looking to work with people who can help us deliver them in the cleanest fashion, uh, in the bulk, and then obviously in the cheapest way. Um, it's made difficult in Hong Kong at the moment because there is no legislation that stops people dumping material in the landfill. Um, so we, unlike in Europe, where there are significant landfill taxes, uh, so we are hoping uh, that legislation will come in um, in the near future, which will mean that there will be a cost to dumping your waste in the landfill and also a deposit scheme kind of uh, for plastic bottles as well. Then all of a sudden your bottle will have a value and people will be much more keen to um, recover it. And that would certainly help uh, our project financially in the future. I don't, I don't want to ask you inappropriate questions, Nigel, but it is, are, you a, are you expecting to make a reasonable margin between what you, what you can sell your RPET for versus what you pay to collect, pay to process? I think the simple answer is yes. Um, but again, we can only do that margin by making sure we produce an extremely high quality material which is why we've got the most sophisticated plant in the region. Um, and hopefully uh, listeners to this project, uh, this podcast will be able sometime in the very near future to come along and have a look at what we do. It is uh, a very sophisticated processing plant, uh, which will ensure we've got this very high grade. 
But also, I must just jump in to say that we want to protect the environment while we're doing that. And so one of the key issues is waste water. We use a lot of water to wash uh, the um, flakes, um, but also we do all the cutting processes underwater uh, to reduce any dust. So it's essential that we recycle the water and then that water that can no longer be recycled, we have to clean uh, before it's discharged into the public sewer. So that's a very important part of how we protect the environment, uh, as well as um, using things like solar panels on the roof uh, to reduce our electricity consumption, um, intelligent lighting, uh, these sort of things to, to ensure that during the processing of the plastic, we have the minimal effect on the local environment. Excellent. And, and, and Nigel, given, given you seem to be presenting a picture here of a commercially interesting opportunity, and I guess the, the evidence of that is thinking about you know, the partners who've come together to invest in, 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 in the plant. Perhaps you can tell us a little bit about you know, the, the, the corporates who are behind this exciting project. Yes, I think what I've been describing, uh, you can imagine, is actually uh, complicated and expensive. Uh, so it does need partners uh, who are willing uh, to rise to this challenge. Uh, my own company is Alba uh, from Germany, and we've been in the recycling business now for more than 50 years. Uh, significant player in Europe, but also now here in East Asia. And we met up with uh, Swire Coca-Cola about four years ago. And, and this idea of having this facility came about uh, because Swire Coca-Cola have a commitment uh, to help processing uh, the uh, plastic bottles, even if not they're not their own. Uh, but then we said, well, okay, we've got the concept. We know where to get the equipment from. How do we collect the material? And so then we've tied them with one of the biggest of the local cleaning and waste companies, uh, Baggio. Uh, so it's a, a triangular uh, company of Alba, uh, Swire Coca-Cola and Baggio. And of course, none of this can happen uh, without some support um, in terms of the financing and to that. Uh, thank you, Jonathan uh, and HSBC <laughs> uh, for, for support through your Green Fund. Well, Nigel, thank you, thank you for men for mentioning that. I was, I was, honestly not trying to lead you into that <laughs> that comment, but it's it's. I, I guess one of the things here that is is coming across very clearly is as you describe the, you know, the the investors, but also as you describe um, the things that are going to make this project a success is this sort of concept of a um, a, a very significant partnership here, of a lot of people bringing a lot of interesting capabilities and skills and also their commitments to turn something that might previously have been considered as litter or waste into actually a very um, valuable enterprise. Yes, that's quite right. Until now, many parts of the world, including Hong Kong, waste has been seen as a very low level um, industry. Uh, operated by small companies with low capital uh, using very low level uh, of infrastructure 
uh, and equipment, uh, basically doing the minimum amount that's needed. And I say for a long time being dependent on places like China. There's a growing recognition that in fact, if we are to be moved to more sustainable uh, world, if we to move to what we're calling the circular economy, where we recover materials, process them, and then reuse them, then it does require a different level of thinking. So it does require more advanced companies, you might say, with advanced technologies, uh, but also the management uh, and financial strength to develop these sort of projects. That's quite a step change uh, from how much of recycling has been done in the past. It's, a, it's interesting, isn't it? Because from trying to pull your, put the story together, we've, we, we, we seem here, if we can get this right, and if the, you know, the, with the support of the Hong Kong community, we're, we're going to end up with cleaner harbours because we're going to have less plastic going in. And you talked about the Clean Waterways Initiative that's, that's you know, getting, getting some of the litter out. We're going to have reduced emissions because if we're using, if we're recycling that material, that's less extraction and processing of the hydrocarbons. By using, reusing the materials, ultimately we should be able to end up with a, a cheaper bottle, which is good news for everybody. And at the same time, there's an increased profitability opportunity there. Is that, is that a fair summary or am I... Am I, am I overstating the opportunity here, Nigel? Uh, no, you're quite correct. This is certainly the direction uh, we, we, we're going. Um, profitability really does depend on efficiency uh, and, and skill of operation in order for this to be the case. Uh, these are sophisticated pieces of equipment. Uh, in our particular plant, um, it's all going to be effectively computer-driven uh, with the... Luckily, we're not going to have lots of people in there picking waste out of out of bottles, waste bottles out of uh, plastic flows. Um, so it, it is sophisticated. We also see it. Uh, uh, we, I've been talking to the Hong Kong government about this. Effectively, as part of the reindustrialization. Uh, Hong Kong has lost a lot of its industry, and previously, as I mentioned, we were just sending it across the border. If we can start developing projects such as this, to recover, uh, reprocess, rework the materials that we have here in Hong Kong. That can also be good uh, for the society and this desire uh, to reindustrialize Hong Kong. Reindustrialize and create green, green, green jobs. Where, where Nigel, do you think, where, where could this go if, if we sort of allow you to imagine all of those challenges that you've been very open about but let's let's be optimistic for a moment and um imagine we will we we will resolve those because we can see this sort of better vision how where where where, where could this this type of initiative take us how do you how do you see um you know new life plastics and and this group taking taking this forward by giving the public increased confidence that the material they put in for recycling is properly being looked after, then there'll be, the public will also then be looking for other materials to be treated in the same way. Uh, and therefore, I think there are opportunities then to maybe build other facilities to deal with the other plastic types that presently 
are not really being really well looked after at all. Uh, there are other examples in Hong Kong of uh, good recycling practice, and in particular, one that I'm proud of uh, is the waste electronics and uh, facility uh, we call WePark, uh, and this is a world-class standard facility uh, for recovering uh, your TVs and washing machines and the like. And so we do hope that looking what we've done for electronic waste, looking what we're going to do here uh, with plastic bottle waste, that we can demonstrate that there is further opportunities for advanced recycling of all sorts of other materials as well. So multiple opportunities across multiple sectors to deliver profitability and prosperity whilst improving uh, the, the environment. But coming back to the challenges, Nigel, are the, is uh, when, when if, if others talk to you about, you know, the, the, the challenges of this type of new project, new pathways, how do you, what, what would you say to them to, to sort of help them on their way? For all waste projects, it's essential that you understand First of all, the feedstock, you know, where is the material coming from? What does it look like? And how are you going to get it? And then you've got to make sure that your technology suits the feedstock. And then finally, having processed it, have you got a market for it? So those are the three steps. And that's why sometimes just bringing in a piece of technology from another part of the world to another place doesn't necessarily work because a feedstock can be different. Um, the way that we use plastic bottles is different in Europe than the way we use them here. We can use different materials. Uh, so it really is vital for any project that you understand the fundamentals and bring the appropriate technology to suit uh, the, both the input and the market. And so I'd say that to anybody on any material going forward. Uh, understand what it is that you've got, what is it you're trying to do, and then find the right technology to do it. And in getting to where you've got to today, Nigel, how's the the response or the support from the government and the community? How how has that been? It, it is very good. Um, uh, uh, we're taking people to see the facility now, and they're they're knocked over. I think I'd say by the scale. Uh, of the facility and the sophistication of the equipment. Um, the government have been very supportive and I recently took uh, senior directors from the environment, uh, Environmental Protection Department to the facility as well. And they now see this is gonna be critical uh, to uh, the delivery of their blueprint uh, for uh, waste management. Um, so I'm really excited that when we start pushing those first bottles through, uh, in, uh, in the next couple of months. Uh, and then people can look along and say, wow, this is incredible uh, that you can do this sort of thing. Uh, because until now, the plastic bottles have disappeared. We don't know quite where they've gone. And they've probably gone into Hong Kong's landfills, which are rapidly filling up. And we're already looking to have to extend the landfills. So if we can do our part to not only stop the plastics getting in the marine environment, but also into our landfills. That would be really quite exciting. Nigel, well, look, thank you so much for not only sharing so much of your 
um, experiences and exciting information around this project. But but thank you also for your initiative and and drive to make this project um, a success at this point. And I'm sure, and I think we would wish you every success and for 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 realizing all of the the, the huge opportunities and benefits that you have um, conceived through through new life plastics well thank you for your kind words thank you for that and uh, if there are any listeners to this podcast in hong kong please give us your bottles or we will look after them for you thank you nigel for joining us today it's a truly inspirational business plan to recover plastic and to give it a new life this has been a special podcast in the business plan for the planet series more episodes will follow shortly, so please do keep an eye out for those. For more information on the program, visit business.hsbc.com forward slash sustainability. Thank you for joining us for HSBC Talks Business. To learn more about anything you heard today, please visit business.hsbc.com.